0: Welcome to the Clemson Dubcast, Saturday, February 27th, about to take in the Clemson versus Miami basketball game here at uh, tigerillustrated.com, Paul Strelo with the latest on where Clemson goes from here after Ty Simpson's commitment to Alabama, Clemson's football team on the field today for the third time of spring practice, plenty of coverage moving through the weekend and into next week, check it all out at tigerillustrated.com title sponsor of the Dubcast since the very beginning, back in August of 2018, Parm Smith & Argenhold Law Firm in downtown Greenville. They want you to know that their office remains open and available to serve you during the COVID-19 crisis. They are also offering their clients the ability to meet via telephone or through video conferencing. Whether you have a loved one who has suffered from a car accident, defective product, a neglectful nursing home facility, or medical malpractice issue, Parm Smith & Argenhold's Greenville Lawyers can provide the protection and guidance you need. Free consultations, 864-990-4581 or on the web at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area, and you're in any way interested in buying and selling of home, Harris flooring has been a major part of the facilities enhancements over at Clemson, not just with athletics, but also at the university level. And we are thrilled that they are a part of the Dubcast as a sponsor since 1947. The Junkins family and Harris Flooring have provided a unique shopping experience through value in their services, developing the right product solutions and delivering on their promises. To check out some reviews on their work, just go to their Facebook page, Harris Flooring America. Rave reviews. Just first class all the way. Phone number 864-642-6183. Okay, to our conversation with Xavier Brewer, who is getting used to his new digs in Monroe, Louisiana. Actually, Fun Row, as he says in his new role as cornerbacks coach for Louisiana Monroe. Here we go. Enjoy. Okay, joined by Xavier Brewer. How you doing, man? Doing well, man. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I, so what, what is life like for you over in Monroe, Louisiana for, I guess, the last uh, two months or so?
1: Uh, fun road. It's been a blast, you know it actually takes me back to Clemson circa two thousand eight you know <laughs> uh, I we were we always had a lot of talent there at Clemson, and you know, but we just needed the right uh coach to come in and build the right mindset and create the right culture to get us over the hump and um so you can just see it in these guys' eyes, you know uh they wanna win, and you know they they want to be coached hard they um they wanna. Uh, know what it looks like want to be told what it looks like and uh they're hungry they're hanging on every word we say and uh you know it's a great opportunity for me obviously um personally as being my own finally uh have my own room you know to grow as a coach and just take that next step in my development as well so it's been awesome
0: can you take us back to the process um that led to you uh to to coach terry bowden um uh you know, telling you he was interested in you and then like when did that first happen and then uh and then take us through that whole process that ended up with you in uh, at Louisiana well, Monroe.
1: Yeah, obviously it didn't start with Coach Bowden, it started with Coach Sweeney. Okay. I'm over there, it's a normal day of practice, getting ready to warm ups. So I think it's getting ready for the bowl game. And he's like, all right, bro, better be ready. <laughs> uh I told you uh <laughs> I gave Coach Bowden your name. Um Louisiana Monroe I was obviously after Coach Bowden took the job and so I figured you know with with that kind of reference I was going to be hearing from Coach Bowden soon and so I just kind of got myself ready for that and wasn't a very long interview um, I would say well it was a long interview the last two years working with Coach Bowden so it was probably part of my interview so um, the, the conversation it maybe took a day or so and then uh, made my decision to you know take that step
0: can you describe to me what Terry, Terry Bowden what he did at Clemson? Because you know he he was not he I think he purposely didn't want to be in the limelight. He he declined most interviews and just was a behind the scenes guy. But he's such a recognizable face for obvious reasons. Uh, how did your relationship develop with him? And, and did you work with him at all? Even though you're a defensive um, uh, on the defensive support staff, and he's more on offense.
1: Um, I would say not work with him directly, but I did see him work. Um, I saw his work ethic, I saw the amount of time he put in everything he did and then we did crossover reports. He would come in and he was always over prepared and it was always awesome to see, you know, his humility coming from being the head coach for as long as he was to uh being now an analyst, like you said, he was sitting in the back of the room, every team meeting, every staff meeting, and um just his humility just to learn and grow. Um, even at his age, even after all the experience he has, you know, so probably had more wins than any, as a head coach, than anybody in our, in our facility. (laughs) So, um, it was just really awesome to see that humility, like I said, at at his age, man, and it's uncommon. And, you know, so that, that made it easy for me to definitely want to have that conversation with him to see what he wanted to present and then, uh, see his vision for what he wants to do with this program.
0: So you're of course not the only one uh, that he he that he nabbed from Clemson. Rob McDowell, uh, the running backs coach, Maverick Morris, offensive line coach, uh, and then also um, Zach Alley. Alley, Zach Alley, who was here, uh, a Clemson grad who went to Boise State with Brian Harson as the defensive coordinator. He's 27 years old. I think he's the youngest the youngest DC in in the FBS, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yep. So can you maybe reflect on the Clemson flavor of, of the staff over there?
1: Yeah, I mean, you you hear something about Clemson every single day uh, in our staff meetings, just because, obviously, Coach Bowden's experience there, how much it impacted him as a coach. And then, obviously, you know, a lot of our staff, you know, you say the young guys, but, um, you know, Big Daddy Ron West, he was actually at Clemson my freshman year, and he was there... About four years before that, and then Rich Rodriguez, he was also there as well. So, you know, obviously they weren't there for the Coach Sweeney era, but you know, it's just a a lot of you know Clemson guys had Clemson experience at that, that special place. Um, just speaking on a little bit of that is just you know we want to take a lot of the things that we learned there. We don't we know we're not going to beat Clemson. There's only one Clemson, but there's also there's just certain lessons and things that. Um, We all experienced through our processes and our time there under Coach Winnie, under that great staff in general. You know, the camaraderie that staff had, um, still has to this day, the alignment um, from the president's athletic director, all the way down to head coach, and the importance of of having that alignment because it trickles down to the players. And um, so we want to be able to take a lot of those positive things and bring them here to uh, phone row.
0: I knew Rodriguez was there. I did not know Ron West is there. What is he coaching?
1: He's coaching the DNs.
0: Okay, so he's on the same side of the ball as you. That's interesting. Yep, yep. Um, you have an interesting perspective on Clemson because you uh, were recruited under the Tommy Bowden staff. Um, you were – I guess you were redshirting um, in 2008 when all when everything went down with the uh, Tommy being out and, and Coach Sweeney being in. What's your earliest – recollection of, of of clemson and that coach uh sweeney recruited you right he did yeah what was your what was that recruiting process like and what what led you to uh to be um sort of taken by 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 coach sweeney who was in the receivers coach and and then clemson just in general
1: yeah, well, the thing is, I didn't know who the heck Clemson was because I was a Florida kid. All I knew was the Florida schools. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Florida. I grew up a Miami fan, but when I went through the process, I ended up wanting to go to Florida State. That's actually how I got known, was going to one of their camps. But they ended up being the only school in Florida that didn't offer me. Uh, so it's funny. I say I, I grew up idolizing Coach Bowden, um, end up Bobby Bowden, end mm-hmm. up playing for Terry Bowden so I could beat Bobby. <laughs> and now I'm working for Terry. So I feel like I'm one of the bountains now, you know, I feel like I'm part of the family. And it was really cool because they were all there at the uh, initial press conference. So that was an awesome experience to be able to, you know, talk to them and kind of just reflect you know, on the past. That was cool. But, um, yeah, so Coach Sweeney actually came my sophomore year where he was looking at a tackle. He had our area in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't know if you remember in 2008, he got like eight guys out of Jacksonville, Jamie mm-hmm. Harper and Kyle Parker and all these guys, Daniel Andrews. Um, and he was looking at a tackle and he just was like, and I walked in, the, I just happened to walk in the room and he's with my head coach and he goes, yeah, I'm coming back to get you next. I was like, all right, whatever you say. I didn't know who he was, know <laughs> <laughs> anything about him. But I just remember this, he was just young, he had a lot of confidence and uh, was just had a great personality. And then, um, yeah, that next year, you know, we went to the Florida state Clemson game and that was actually my first experience of, uh, seeing Clemson. They ended up beating Florida state and, uh, Kyle Parker had committed. And, uh, he, he was, he was, he played a big influence as well. Him and his dad on um, kind of nudging me that way. And then, you know, built a really good relationship with coach Sweeney. Uh, and did really, honestly, I don't remember really having many conversations with, uh, the defensive staff I've, I've talked to Tommy but I just don't remember having many conversations with defensive staff me to find out years later um, they actually wanted to move on to another position although they offered me they wanted to move on the defensive staff wanted to move on and you know when I called and committed uh, Coach Winnie actually got into it with uh, some guys on the defensive staff at the time about hey you guys offered him. we offered them we all said we're going to do this and um, so we're going, to, we're going to honor his commitment And uh, I guess it came down to uh, Tommy Bowden, his decision, you know, and he honored my commitment as well. So uh, that stuff, you know, I found out years later, but it's it's just kind of cool reflecting back on it, like how much of an impact Tommy and Coach Sweeney had in my life because I probably wouldn't be in this position I'm in right now if it wasn't for that just moment in time, you know. And then obviously being able to go to Clemson and do what I did, uh, build relationships and just try to do things the right way, uh, be, lead by example. Uh, but, yeah, with Coach Sweeney getting the job halfway through my redshirt year and Coach Brown getting fired, you know, I thought it was a graceful uh, transition, as, as graceful as it could possibly be that I've, that I've ever seen, that I've ever been around, that I could ever think about experiencing. Um, because Coach Sweeney has so much respect for Coach Bowden. You know, so you'll never hear you never heard a bad thing said about what we how we used to do things and this and that. But he w- was very firm with, you know, this is how we're gonna do things, you know, and what it's gonna to take to change the culture and the mindset and different things like that. And um obviously there was transition there was staff and different things like that. Um so I would say that that experience was um it was important for me in my development, just as a as a young man, you know, and understanding the importance of culture and, uh, and mindset, and you know, nobody's bigger than the program. No one person is bigger than a program, you know. Uh, teamwork and you know, development, different things like that. So. Yeah, I would say it was a unique perspective, unique experience, and unique perspective I have of seeing that program go from what it was in 2008 to what it is right now. And um, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to bleed orange and be thankful for my experience because, like you said, it's a, it's a unique one. Um, so, but I'm like I said, I'm thankful for it and I'm going to carry it on with me wherever I go.
0: Makes it more unique that the defensive staff that you played <laughs> under wanted to move on to someone else. When did you hear? hear about that, and who told you?
1: Uh, About a couple years ago, Coach Swing told me. (laughs) He's like, hey, I got something to tell you. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I was like, "Uh, what what you got? So he kind of just broke down the story to me. I'm like, oh, man. I had no idea. But, uh, like you said, it is unique that, you know, somebody on that staff probably could have got a head, the head coaching job. But definitely a lot of those guys had more experience than Coach Sweeney did. But, you know, God, God don't say oops. You know, there's a reason why he ended up getting the job, obviously because he earned it. And then, um, like I said, God had a plan for him and God had a plan for me as well. And I was part of Coach Sweeney's plan, you know. And what's actually more interesting on top of that, when uh, he got the job, and me being a dumb young dumb eighteen year old, I'm saying oh, I'm about to because tr- I'm you know <laughs> kind of falling under the influence of everybody else. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm about to I'm about to transfer. <laughs> I'm I'm out of here. I'm going back to Florida. I don't know about this. You know, not knowing that this guy fought for me. Wow. You know, and uh, and you know what he told me, he brought me in. The, I'll never forget it. He brought me in. Um, uh, eighteen years old, saying, oh, he said, where are you going to go? So I'm gonna go to Florida, cause you know I was out of school. I was uh, old UCF, you know. He's like, oh, "So that's what you going to do, huh?" It's like, "Yeah, that's what I'm thinking." Cause no, you're not. You ain't going nowhere. He goes, "You're gonna stay right here. You're gonna help me build this thing. You're gonna be a leader for this team in the future, and uh, we're gonna do this thing the right way." And, you know. And he said a lot more than that, but that was that was like the the summary of it. And uh, you know. That man could sell ice to Eskimo. And he he did that to me for sure, and I didn't go nowhere. You know, not, not many. I don't think any guys from that that team actually transferred. So that says a lot about him, a lot about you know what he's about and why the program is what it is. Man, he's he's about the right things, and you know he's he's a, he's a guy you want to run through a brick wall for, even to this day.
0: So just to get this story straight, when you called in to give your commitment. They there was conflict about whether to take the commitment.
1: Yeah, because I guess they found they they found or thought got other guys were better. Right. You know, or they saw like I ran a bad forty time somewhere or something, and uh, yeah, it's kind of just what it was.
0: So this this would have been the Vic Coning's staff, and as you mentioned, he you're right. He when Tommy was out in the middle of '08, like the common sort of conclusion was that if. Clemson went the interim route, it would have been either Coning or Brad Scott, both of whom had head coaching experience, but Terry Don went with, uh, went with Dabo. Um, when, when Dabo informed you of that story, did you, um, I don't know, what was your, did it hurt your feelings at all? Did you think back to maybe, oh, maybe they didn't, I don't know. What was that like? That's just not, that's not a common (laughs) thing to hear.
1: It it, it definitely ain't common. Uh... I would say when I first heard it, I was about 29 years old, so it's kind of way past, you know, my my playing day. So uh, initially, you, you know, you feel some type of way. Like, uh, I would say, yeah, just a little, a little like, ashamed kind of in a way, but that was like an initial feeling. But then obviously you look past that and like, man, look at the experience I had. Look at how, Lord God, you know, how God aligned it all, put it all together, then there's this automatic gratitude. It was like, just thanks, you know? Whether I mean, and, and thanks to those who didn't believe me, thanks to those who believed in me, you know? Because at the end of the day, like, you're going to have that in life. You're going to have people that believe in you, people that don't believe in you. But the most important thing is that you got to believe in yourself and know what you can accomplish. So, you know, they they probably didn't envision me becoming a, a three-time starter and the, voting as a team captain my senior year. You know, but you know, Coach Sweeney did. You know, he 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 saw um, good things in me, and saw as as obviously as a player, but then more so as a person as well. Because like I said, I built a relationship with Coach Sweeney. I didn't really have much relationship with uh, the defensive staff as I went through the recruiting process. So um yeah, I have no ill will towards any anybody from that staff at all. You know, I'm, I'm working with Big Daddy right now. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, it, it's all unique how it all comes full circle. But, um, yeah, it's it also going to help me through my recruiting process and making sure that I'm patient and I'm sure, like, when I offer a guy that it's somebody I know I'm willing to take their commitment right away, you know, not just offering people just to offer people, you know, just because they have a lot of offers or they have a lot of, you know, whatever uh, hype around them, you know, actually getting to know the kid first and building the relationship and, you know, because that's really, to end the day for me, that's really what it's all about, like in the coaching business with coaches, with players, with recruits, and it's about relationships because these are people we're dealing with, you know, and uh, better people, they uh, make better players. So that's really kind of my experience and uh, that I'm going to take with me.
0: I guess it is a little odd thing, just thinking about it, like a uh, an offensive coach offering a defensive player. Um, just thinking back to that, to that. I situation. mean, the
1: thing about Coach Sweeney, man, he's a relentless recruiter. He recruited, his area, he recruited other areas. He recruited p- different positions. He got quarterbacks. He got uh, he got a long snapper. Um, a, yeah. Remember Matt Skinner? Yep. Yeah. He, he got a running back, Jamie Harper. You know, got Dwayne uh, Daniel Andrews was a safety out of there. You know, so I mean, the thing about him, he's just relentless. And you know, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, I'm here now. I send Maverick guys all the time. I send uh, Hot Rod guys all the time. And you know, if I if I think of somebody that you know, I, I build a relationship with, and I like, and uh, when they think he's a good player. Then we'll go from there. You know, but uh, like you said, as as far as going through the process after you offer the guy, you know, it should be on the position coaches to build that relationship. But for whatever reason, that just wasn't the situation for
0: me. Really interesting. Like, I guess Coning uh, was gone that December anyway. Uh, a couple of months after Dabo took over, so it wasn't like he was there for much longer. I mean, I don't. I mean, I think it's pretty. I don't think it's any has been any secret that he and Dabo didn't really get along. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was probably one of the reasons that that he wasn't there for very long once once Dabo took over. But um, you, you're the, the job of an analyst like you're you, when when you're at Clemson, you know people you're, you're out of the limelight. You know, you know reporters like me are talking to either Coach Sweeney or or the, the players or the or, or the coordinators, and so there's this mystery at least to the average sort of fan of, okay, what do these guys do? Like, what is your average day like? What was your average day like uh, in your role at Clemson during the season?
1: Uh, I get that question a lot. It was always always dependent on what time of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, every day is recruiting for sure, but it, it amps up a lot more right after the season ends. Like You are nonstop watching film highlights for about three months and then while the coaches are on the road traveling uh seeing recruits so you're trying to find as many guys as possible that you find think are worthy of them to go see you know and so that starts pretty much actually that actually starts right before the bowl game and then as you have a little bit of extra time and then actually after the season ends and you hit that really hard and so you're evaluating guys you're watching their film and they're inputting your personal uh eval on them and uh you're grading them and then whether you like him or you don't, we put something on everybody. And then uh, if it's somebody we like, you know, I'll I'll get information. I'll get background information. on see if he went to camps, what his times are, what his verified numbers are, his size and all that. And then I'll call the coach, the head coach, and uh, kind of get a background check on him. If I need to go deeper than that, you know, I'll call the parents or I'll call the guidance counselor. Um, and then I'll make sure I have all that information ready for Coach B or the position coach or Coach Reed. Uh, at the time, so when I bring this kid up, I have it. If they ask a question, I know about it already. It's a, you know we're not just watching the kid, just to watch the kid. Like I know I have all the things answered. So well, hey, you, you want to get on the phone with him? All right, I got his number right here. I'll call him right now or see when he's available. So that's that's the recruiting process. Um, and then during the season, it's more you know for me. Everyone had their own roles. I was uh, uh, I was in charge of. Um, breakdowns. So inputting data for the next game. some f- future games. So during the bowl season, it, it really ends up for me because, or maybe right before A- ACC, because I got to get, make sure for all four teams are broken down. I got to input all their data. So I watch all Alabama. I watch all of, uh, Ohio state. I watch all, cause we weren't sure who we we're playing yet. Obviously, thankfully this year for this past year, we already had Notre Dame, man. Uh, and we're playing them. So, um uh, so I got to have, uh, put all the information, Um, their plays, offensive and defensive plays as far as uh, the future opponents go and then have data broken down on tendencies, you know, formation tendencies, different things they like to do, uh, what's the quarterback's weaknesses, uh, versus man coverage, you know, where's he looking, just different things like that. I got to have all the information ready for the defensive coordinator um, by that Sunday. So when he walks in, you know, he, he kind of has a head start, you know, he's not having to dig through a bunch of stuff to find certain things, you know? So that's, that was my job as far as uh, an analyst, a grad graduate assistant um, with the staff during the season.
0: And in the recruiting, on the recruiting side, you're allowed to call and, 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 and communicate with pro- prospects and people around them. So I
1: believe it depends on the year. Uh, i think I believe seniors i was able to communicate with them um i could not call juniors i could only do that because i think they can only get like one call a week at the time and then i was, i didn't want to use that for uh as far as the uh our coaches go so yeah i could text with them as much as possible but uh, so I, that's what I did, you know, kind of build relationships that way, and then uh, build relationships with a lot of coaches. And I was I was thankful to have that experience because only only two of the GAs on field guys are allowed to even do that. So I was able to talk to a lot of high school coaches and build relationships with a lot of high school coaches around the country. So um, yeah, that was a really cool experience.
0: I think when you were first when you were in high school and being recruited, texting was the big innovation. <laughs> <laughs> yep, but just
1: started. I had my foot foam razor.
0: <laughs> does it make you feel old to look at all the modern ways of, of communication compared to what it was back then?
1: I, I It does, but then it doesn't because I just think about, you know, the coaches older than me who didn't have any of that. It's like, how the <laughs> heck did y'all do anything? Like, how did y'all break down film when y'all had, like, DVDs? That's all you were watching film on, you know? Or even like VHS, you know, it's just, you had to go exchange VHSs. I know my high school coach used to tell the stories about how you used to have to exchange, like he has to go meet the coaches somewhere and uh, exchange VHSs. Like how, how the heck did that work in college, you know? And obviously with recruiting too, like you just had to go off of somebody else's word on what somebody's size is unless you obviously went to go see them, you know? And so you miss out on a lot of prospects that way. I mean, we we still. I mean, in college game today, prospects get missed out on all the time. Still, so I can only imagine how many guys got missed out on back then, with the lack of technology and you know, so communication and things like that.
0: I think it was the 2011 recruiting class for Clemson when Jeff Scott was having his press conference and he was telling us how how important it was that he got the old the old men on the staff like Dan Brooks and Caldwell and Pierman to to buy into the to the to the benefits of the iphone back then the iphone was like this this big innov- innovation wow pretty crazy uh how how, how 2011 much this- dang that is crazy want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union. If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson Market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-350. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full-service, integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading-edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy. At Solero, they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services, via social media schedule staff track sales get reports and much much more find out more about Celero at celerocommerce.com that's c-e-l-e-r-o commerce.com so you went uh, I guess take us back to post uh, post football Clemson football you 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 tried out in the NFL um, for a while and then you did the arena thing and then you were a personal trainer for a while
1: that's it
0: and how can you describe the, the, I guess, the calling that you had to, to, to get into coaching, which led to you coming back to Clemson?
1: Yeah, I would say coaching was uh, something I've always wanted to do since I was as young as I can remember. Um, I, the, the dream was to play football forever and then coach. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> reality was, you know, it didn't work out with the NFL got cut in the final cut with the Cowboys, and then um, got football in my system, playing arena ball two years, playing football. And then uh, while I was playing arena ball, actually, that's when I started personal training because I was personal training at a place where I was actually personally training at. <laughs> right. Uh, and then once that finished, uh, I was actually training an entire like middle school football team doing their off-season training. And uh, after my last year of arena ball, uh, I believe it was it, was a, it was summertime, like August, and uh, obviously I I couldn't start coaching college ball at the time. And then uh, because of the season was about to get started, and uh, an opportunity opened up with that team that I was training uh, to coach them, uh, be their head coach because they lost they didn't have a head coach going into the season, and so that's actually my first year of actually coaching was going there and doing that, and. Uh, So that was a cool experience, and it actually turned into after the season, there was a church right by the place where we practiced at that had a weight room in it, and obviously had the fields next to it as well. And um, they actually allowed me to uh, start training there by myself. And I started with about 30 football players, like middle school, going into high school, football players. And uh, X Factor was born. You know, that turned into something where – uh, I was training a whole bunch of football players, and then also it turned into I was training lacrosse athletes and soccer athletes, baseball players. We had an unarmed flag football league. We had a uh, travel seven on seven team. Actually, had a uh, travel lacrosse team. So it, it kind of blew up the next three three to four years I was doing that, and then uh, after that, uh, um, then after that, then Coach Winnie provided the opportunity for me to go to Clemson.
0: And were you going to school as well?
1: I was not going to school, gotcha. no. I graduated in 2012.
0: And you, and you got your master's too, right?
1: I did get my master's uh, after I graduated, yeah.
0: Gotcha. So you were just purely an analyst, I guess, when you came back a couple of years ago.
1: Oh, no, no. I was a grad assistant. grad assistant. I got. That's when I came back to Clemson is when I got my master's. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll actually get that in
0: May. Oh, okay. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. How, what is it like, I mean, being on a football staff is a very demanding uh, pursuit. and what? How hard is it to juggle that with school? You
1: know, being a football player is very demanding as well. <laughs> Especially yeah. a college football player. So uh, it was a grind, man. It was a grind. I think we, obviously um we spend a lot more time in that facility than the players do most uh especially during the season because we're there really late nights and early mornings um so that stuff i mean you just gotta you gotta find the time to get your stuff done you know if it's a uh, small window when uh typically the, especially during the season the small windows when we travel uh when we have like a little time off after the movie or before the movie, is when a lot of work gets done. Or if we have a night game, uh, we'll have like two, three hour breaks throughout the day. Try to use those times to get that done. So that's about it.
0: What will you? What's the most valuable thing you will take from working for Brent Venables?
1: Ooh, we, um, man, so many things. If I was put it to one think about that one. It was definitely it definitely has to be, you know, his relentless work ethic and his reason why, you know. Um, he didn't want to let his, his peers down. He didn't want to let his staff down. He didn't want to let his head coach down. He didn't want to let his players down. So, I mean, that was his why for, like, he... Not, no one works harder than Coach B. And I don't think I'll probably never be around anyone that does. But just... You know the passion he has for the game and uh, what what drives him. Uh, I would say those things are definitely big big takeaways I I could definitely uh, take from him. But just as far as like you know. Obviously, he's, he's a genius at football, but he's a genius at football because he works at it. So I would just say his just relentless work ethic to be, be the best he can possibly be and give his players the, his best, you know. And uh, I would say this last year, part of him being his best and giving his best was the past couple of years, at least, uh, him opening up and, you know, letting them know his heart, letting us, the staff know his heart and who he is as a man and, you know, what he's about. So that's that's all part of it, you know. uh, Building relationships the best way he knows how. He knew how with his players. So uh, just relentless effort and giving his best effort in every aspect of his life, you know, to be the best coach and be the best uh, man he can be. So you know, I can say that for a lot of guys on that coaching staff, but definitely Coach B.
0: What do you mean by him uh, opening up? Is he sharing like his 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 life story? I guess.
1: Sharing life stories and then also sharing, you know, different experiences uh, in the coaching realm that we all could learn from, you know, whether good or bad, you know, not being afraid just uh, to share stories just because he knows it could make an impact on us, you know, or his players. So um, those are big things that are right there for sure.
0: I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but he is such a an animal (laughs) and as you mentioned he's so he's so relentless with what he is doing yeah that i wonder is he cut out to be a head coach or is he just a great all-time great defensive coordinator can't can he Uh, go ahead sorry
1: yeah no doubt he's an all-time great defensive coordinator but i would definitely coach for that man right there as a head coach there's no doubt about oh he's definitely cut out for um just because, one, his knowledge of the game. He's, he's going to know how to manage the game. He understands offenses better than any person I've ever been around. Um, and, obviously, he knows defenses as well, and that's why he's so good as a defense coordinator because he understands offenses and what they're trying to do. Um, so, from a X X's and O's standpoint, there's no doubt, you know, he's one of the greatest football minds I've ever been around. So, I know he can handle that aspect of it. But as far as, like, managing people as well, you know, I think he he's – the last two years I was with him, you know, he did a great job with our, our coaching staff. And uh, I I could just see him definitely doing it and running an entire team. And the thing is about Coach B, the guy you see in practice and the guy you see on game days is not the same guy you, you see when you're walking with him down the hallway. Or, you know, he's, he's calling you at night, just checking on, you see how you're doing, you know, talking to your family. When he's with his daughters, he's a totally different man, yeah. you know. And very relatable, very easy to talk to, so easy to talk to. Um, But, you know, he just knows how to flip that switch, you know, just like any great football player. And uh, in the game, you know, maybe nice guys off the field, you know, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, when they get on that field, they they turn into monsters, you know, they turn into animals, like you said. And that's just what most people see. Is that side of him, but he knows how to flip that switch, and also during the games as well, he knows how to change his temperament as well, uh, for depending on the moment. You know, uh, he's just really into the game because, like you said, he just he puts so much into it, and he wants to do well, and so it comes out, his passion comes out, and it, that's, that's that's what you guys see, that's what everyone sees, um, and. Well, they, they think it's just like a, a crazy psychopath, but really it's just his passion. And that's how it, how it pours out, and he has no shame in it, you know? But like I said, I think he could be a head coach for sure because, one, he knows how to control his temperament. And like I said, off the field, he's one of the most easy people to just kind of relate to. Um, and I know his seeing his players the last couple of years, and obviously, um obviously I got there he got there my senior year and so as a defense coordinator your first year you're trying to you're starting to create a new mindset new culture uh building relationships is kind of the back window back door you know but as he's been at Clemson and kind of um bought into the culture there you know it's very obvious that um the, the players there and the players in the past will, will die for that guy you know they, like I said just like coach Sweeney they run through a brick wall for him they want to do well for him they'll defend him and I think there'll be no difference if he was a head coach you know because like I said he's relatable he understands the game he understands how to push buttons he he's a great storyteller um and he's a uh, he's great at connecting you know his life experiences his life stories uh, and to make them relevant. To what uh, things are going on now. So it, it wasn't a big surprise to me that his name was in a bunch of head coaching opportunities this offseason. You know, it's never in a, in a ton of them because I'm sure a lot of people just obviously think he's satisfied. But, you know, I think it's just a matter of time before he becomes a head coach, honestly.
0: yeah, You're right about the off the field thing because uh, a couple of years ago, my daughter's played in the same softball league as his over there at Nettles Park. And uh, he was just normal guy, totally laid back. Uh, as he watched his you could just tell he got so much joy out of watching his daughter's uh play uh, so really, no really cool window to have into that
1: no doubt
0: um, given that you're your part of your a big part of your job was advanced scouting, I have to ask you about Ohio State. I know that I watched Ohio State closely going to you know all their games, and man, it was just really surprising seeing not just their output but also all the schematic stuff they were doing mixing up the tempos and such because they just seemed it just seemed like something was off with them all year on offense and I'm sure you saw that too can I get a yeah. window into sort of what you saw in your scouting of them and what you were in the staff were thinking going into the game and then and then of course sort of maybe how much of a jolt it was to see some of their I guess new wrinkles that that they unveiled during the game.
1: Yeah, they had a few a few wrinkles, but in the day, man, if you can't stop the run, you're gonna have a hard time winning the football game. And uh, I would say, for us, just looking back at the game, I didn't think we did a good job of stopping the run. You know, our guys prepared well. We, we I thought we were prepared, and uh, the coaches got them very prepared for the game. But um, I would say early on, early and often, you know. It was chunk runs, chunk runs, chunk runs, and that opens up everything else. You know, you can blame it on tempo, blame it on whatever else you want, but it all starts with the run game and, um, and making plays, players making plays. And uh, I thought they made more plays than we did. That's really what it came down to with that. Um, so, I mean, X's and O's or, or whatever, but in the day, you know, I thought they, they did a good job of, uh, like you said, changing up their tempo, not letting us get lined up. That was another thing as well they did a good job of. Uh, and uh, like going from fast to slow to yeah. slow to fast to, you know, like you said, going up and down. Uh, and that probably helped them in the rug game, like you said, not letting us get lined up. That, that's another thing as well. Um and then we didn't make plays in the secondary in the back end. We had opportunities to get our hands on some balls, and we didn't do it. And, uh, again, not getting lined up didn't help us as well With uh, uh, as far as getting, being able to defend the pass in the best of our ability because we weren't lined up properly. So I'll say those two things, and then, you know, I guess I'll put that on us as a staff as well. We didn't have the guys ready to um, – Get ready for a poor change up of tempo, you know, but like anything else uh anytime you lose, you know it's a great learning experience, so I know that that staff right there is is hungry and ready to learn from everything that just happened and take it into the off season i mean shoot they got <laughs> they got twenty something guys coming back that started football games on defense last year, so they're gonna be just fine, and uh I know that staff is hungry as well, so but uh, as far as you know. I mean, there's nothing, nothing uh, from a scouting standpoint. There's nothing extraordinary. I didn't think that you know the average person couldn't see. Like you, even you just said, you know, they changed up the tempo and they ran the ball well, and you know they made plays in the passing game. That's really what it came down to.
0: It's interesting in the game in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State the year before. They they used pace. It was just they they pushed the tempo in the first half, and then got away from it in the second half. Y'all had a lot to do with that in the second half of that game. And then this time it was more the pre-snap deception was just so sort of sort of skilled, you know, like they just would not let y'all get a read on what they were doing. Was that something? Did y'all go into that game expecting them just to push the tempo and, and they, and they may be not expecting them to do all the, The shift, uh, the changing of the speeds, and then the getting the play in, and then snapping it before y'all could get set. I
1: would say we were ready for whatever because you know they had they had a couple weeks to prepare for us, but we all we also knew that they they prepared for us all year. Ever since that game ended, they've been ready. They've been looking at Clemson. You know, they—I don't even think they were focused on the Big Ten schedule. They were—they were wanting to beat Clemson, and uh, so that's probably a lot. And, and also, a lot of people forget. You know, they had a lot of COVID issues throughout the year as well, especially that last game in the Big Ten Championship. They're missing a lot of key players that they end up getting back for, against us. So, I would say, you know they did a great job like you said you know presenting some things that they didn't present most of the year and uh that we we had to adjust to and we didn't adjust to properly and uh caught us off guard and punched us in the chin and uh so yeah end of the day they got they got us
0: how hard is it to coach defenses nowadays i mean you you think back to the the the, the the Trevor's freshman year when you guys put up 44 on Alabama and then a year later LSU is, has this ridiculous offense and then this past season not only did Ohio State you know have a really good offense but then Alabama maybe the best offense in in history it looked like in the in the in the championship game um how difficult is it to be on the defensive side of the ball right now with all these just totally prolific um elite offenses.
1: Yeah, it makes you wonder do defenses win championships anymore? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh I'm a bit I'm a firm believer in teams win championships, but I'm with you that uh man, there's been some prolific offenses. Having to see LSU uh in 2019 was incredible. Uh having to break down Alabama on film, like I can tell you how many times the guy, the guys in the staff room get annoyed with me. I'm like, how many times I'm just like, wow. Oh, my gosh. Oh. <laughs> just making those, just breaking them games down. It's like, because they're just complete offenses, man. Like, big, strong offensive linemen that can move. And it, it was just scary to watch. like, man, I would hate to play against that dude. Uh, running back, obviously, you know, they, they have running backs that did downhill, can catch the ball in the backfield that you have to count for. Um, then you got, you know, some of the most prolific receivers this game's ever seen on the outside. And then they're making you cover every blade of grass with quarterbacks that can make every single throw. And um, and these guys aren't a bunch of stiffs. These guys can move. You know, even Mac Jones, a lot of people think he's just as stiff, but, you know, he he evaded um, all the time. Like, he was really elusive in the pocket. And, uh, shoot, Joe Ball was one of the most <laughs> elusive guys I've ever seen on film. You know, i He's not. He wasn't a Lamar Jackson, but he just had a knack for getting away from pressure while keeping his eyes down the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, it's it's very difficult, especially with the run pass options, having to cover every blade of grass on the field. Um, it's very difficult, you know, but that's what you get. That's what uh, the coach, defense coaches get paid for, to try to figure out how to stop them, you know. Uh, there's always something new that's going to come up, you know. Uh, there's new defenses now that are coming along that are uh, – able to cause confusion uh to to offenses and uh I th- I think defense will catch up. defenses will catch back up and then you know something new will come up on offense, you know. But uh I would say just the mix of the game the the offensive game planning and then the the skill that's out there now, you know, on these teams is it's it's really 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 tough to uh, defend for sure. But a thing about Clemson, you know, you're blessed when you get to practice against Trevor Lawrence every day and you get to practice against all these elite guys, you know, Justin Ross getting back, you know. So that, that also helps with the preparation as well.
0: How much would change if they just put some teeth into the illegal man downfield rule, maybe making it more like the NFL's I guess it's one yard in the NFL you can't Yeah,
1: that's never fun to watch when you when you're watching a game and then you're like, okay, this guy's five years down the field. They haven't called anything, but it's a touchdown. You know, that's never fun. <laughs> but you know, that's just like anything else within the game. You gotta control what you can control. You know, we can't control the refs. You gotta, you know, just play the game. I think it would help it'll help some for sure. Cause uh as far as, you know, linebacker and safety keys you know, they got they see a guy down the field. They're, they're assuming you know it's a run play, so that, that makes it definitely, definitely difficult. That's added advantage for sure for the offense.
0: Can you take? They, yeah, go ahead.
1: But it's just like any other call that's missed. You know, pass interference is missed sometimes. So, anytime things like, but that's a big one that for sure it hurts defenses. I would say.
0: When you're decades from now, when you've called it a career hopefully a very successful coaching career, and you're looking back, how, uh, how prominent will the summer of 2020 be for you as you look back to uh, just a, a summer unlike any other uh, from the social justice um, movements and, and, and such to, to, to Trevor Lawrence being one of the main sort of drivers in allowing a season to even happen?
1: oh man i got stories from that somewhere that will last a lifetime for sure and um i'm sure we all do and uh like i said i got experiences from from just that time in general that uh i'll be able to share for the rest of my career you know and uh being able to be a part of clemson's staff at the time with how uh influential the players were man um It it helped me realize how important it is to empower players and not enable players. And uh, because the the Clemson culture is a culture of empowerment, you know, of empowering players to, you know, speak out and, you know, be about the right things, carry themselves the right way, um, hold themselves to a higher standard, then that, that gave them the opportunity to get with the people they need to get with to be able to use their voices the right way, you know, instead of just going out on a whim and complaining on Twitter and, you know, just kind of following what everybody else was doing. You know, they led and created something as far as like the March, the speeches, the getting the other players around the country together. They just did so many different things that, and they're just so aware, you know, the the players were just so aware of what was going on with the world and, You know, they wanted to say something, but they wanted to do it the right way. And, you know, and I would say that's one thing for me, especially as well, you know, learning the experience of just taking the time to process things instead of just having an emotional reaction to everything. Take some time, process it, talk it out with some people you respect and that, uh, that you know will help guide you in the right direction you need to go to so you can present yourselves the right way. And um, so that was those were some of the biggest takeaways for me from that summer, man. It was – I was just in, – in all of the players on that team and how they came together, you know, we did some things behind the scenes as well together where, you know, we, we had just kind of circle talks as a team, you know, got around in the circle, obviously socially distanced in, like, groups like 8 to 10 – You know, everybody had an opportunity to just speak out and just how they're feeling and what they're going through, what their thoughts are, um, past experience they went through as well. And so all those opportunities to speak and speak up and speak to each other were opportunities of growth and development for everybody within that program. And, um, you know, Clemson has a a lot of influence in college sports right now, and I feel like they use their, their influence in the right way.
0: What stories will you share? That you Say that again? you said you said over your career, you're going to share stories from that summer um, uh, to 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 players that uh, under you uh, over I mean, just
1: everything about that is just like the importance of empowerment, you know, importance of uh, you know using your platform the right way. And so using the stories of, like you said, Mike Jones, um, getting the idea of that March started, you know, and then. You know, Trevor Lawrence getting all the credit for it, which is great. It's fine because he's the face of the college football. But at the same time, seeing Mike Jones you know humble gratitude to just kind of sit back and let it happen because it wasn't about him. It wasn't about Trevor. It was it was about a movement, you know, of bringing people together, unifying people. You know, it wasn't about just one person. You know, it was about everyone. So. That that for sure, you know that that march is an incredible moment, and I think that that is history. I think it's that that, that moment is set in stone. Is definitely a uh, a historic movement. I think starting with the, in the town of Clemson, I think it's, it spread throughout the country once war got out. And I mean, those speeches, I think those speeches are really underrated, <laughs> especially Darren Richards uh i I think those things those when people look back in time like those those speeches right there by those players are gonna go down in history for sure um uh, and even coach Sweeney's as well uh just how important you know they're how they use not just using their voices but how they use your voices as well to um promote change and promote an open atmosphere to have conversations you know and try to create understanding you know with with, and also acknowledging the fact that you know our country is scarred you know our country has you know we we came into uh hundreds of years ago you know we we have a real history that isn't isn't perfect you know and it's an imperfect country and a lot of those wounds haven't healed and you know and it may never heal, but at the end of the day, we got to acknowledge it and uh, grow and understand and listen to each other and uh, understand we're all different, but also appreciate our, our differences.
0: This was a, you know, profound learning experience for everybody, I'm sure, within the program. What do you think that Coach Swinney learned through it? I mean, he even spoke about uh, some of that publicly, but I'm just curious. What kind of uh, learning experience uh, maybe you observed uh, that it was for him?
1: Uh, I don't know. I want to speak on Coach learning experience. I'm sure he's talked about that plenty. So I sure. don't know if I want to go there.
0: What, that's fine. That's fine. What was it like? I mean, I don't, you know, I think it's okay for somebody to say that he didn't handle some of the things in a the most perfect way. But on the other hand, the way he was just blistered uh, by the you know the national folks during that whole conversation, I mean, some really some really ugly stuff uh, said about him. What was that like um, being, you know one of his former players, one of his coaches under him, you know who and, and just being a part of, of the program as he was on the receiving end of so much of that uh, vitriol?
1: you know, I, I learned a lot from that process, you know, um, I was actually thankful for how he handled the process The way to kind of learn and just to watch and observe and also, you know, be there to encourage him as well, because, you know, he's someone who encouraged me to <laughs> countless times of, you know, uh, or, or, you know, I was let down or I let down somebody, you know, and he was always there to pick me up as well, you know, but, End of the day, I was disappointed with the overall reaction towards him. You know, because here's the thing: a lot of people don't don't know his background, don't know what he's about, don't know how many people he's actually impacted. Black people, he's impacted players, coaches in a positive way. Um, they just kind of like to take bits and pieces out of what one person says and not look at the total picture of what what, what the person is. You know, no man on this earth is perfect. And there's no doubt about that. There's nobody on this earth that's perfect. And he'd be the first to tell you he ain't one of them either. You know. But um and we all have room to grow and develop in different ways. But, you know, just to see him be attacked the way he he, he was and the way his family was attacked, the way his, you know, his wife, you know, um was attacked is just it's very disappointing, uh, to me, because I just know what he's about. I know what his heart's about. I know he's about the right thing. I know he makes more of a positive impact on young people's lives in one year than most people do in a lifetime. And um, so, you know, just some of the grace he handled it with as well. You know, he spoke up at times, but then he he sat back at times as well when he could have spoke out. And um, so, like I said, I, he's just a, a guy that I'm always going to look up to. I'm always going to admire, you know. Um but seeing him go through that was it was it was difficult. Um, but in the day, I know who he is as a man, and he knows who he is as a man. And he knows what he's about. And uh, so, in the day, like I said, the people who know him, I think that's the most important thing. Is we all support him, and the you know, people on the outside are always gonna come after you, especially when you're successful. You know, especially uh, at his level, they're gonna find something to nitpick at you about good or bad, you know, so uh, I like like I said, the way he handled it with grace, um, I'll always appreciate
0: Something I'll always take away from those days uh, and that time is that while, you know, these issues are tearing people apart everywhere uh, adults, you know grown, grown men and women twice the ages of these these college kids, um, you have a group of these college kids, uh, I don't know, 120, whatever, um, who are able to have difficult conversations, uh, the same conversations that are taking place on the outside, but still find common ground to handle it with grace and to say, hey, we love each other regardless. I mean, what... <laughs> for for all the crap that college kids get nowadays, I mean, that sounds like a hell of an example to me for everybody.
1: No doubt, man. And um, it, it gave me a lot of hope for the future. And, you know, these guys want to be better. They want to be better than their parents. They want to be better than the world that was before them. And they want to be... Leave the world better than they found it, and um, that's just really inspiring to me. Gave me a lot of hope, like I said. And um, <clears throat> I, I've said this before, you know. My ancestors, you know, they dealt with slavery. I didn't deal with slavery, but then, and then, you know, generations later, they had the civil rights movement. I didn't have to deal with that. My ancestors did. They didn't have to deal with slavery, you know. And we have our own issues today, but um, and I, I, the thing is, I've seen growth with, with that process. I mean, you see growth, you still see issues, but you see growth from the issues. And, um, but there's still some issues today that linger from those times that still need to be developed and learned from and grow. And uh, as a country, we need to grow from and take the next step. And in order to do that, the next generation needs to acknowledge it needs to know that there's issues that there were issues and that there are issues that still linger from those times that um if they don't want to go back to that then they need to be the leaders and take the next step um with with moving forward and um that's what I've seen that's what I've seen with uh especially that that Clemson football team those players and that um and just the example that they they showed you that whole process.
0: You guys, as a team, and teams everywhere, just dealing with COVID. I mean, y'all had to, <laughs> y'all had to do a lot of. Uh, I mean, w- disruptions everywhere to the normal way of life of a football program. Are we? Is there is there sufficient celebration of of the fact that we've been ab- we were able to get. A football season in and, and and all the things that were required to get it in?
1: Yeah, it's incredible that we were able to have a season for sure. Um, and uh, I think it's really undervalued to, like you said, all the manpower and woman power that went into making that happen. A season happened. It's actually just incredible. Um, but it also just shows you how much we love football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like like you said, man, there's just a lot that went into it. Like, man, getting tested, getting, you know, having contact tracing, having guys test positive. You know, they're out for however long. And different conferences, different rules. Uh, no fans in the stands. You know, um, it's just it was just a whole lot. You know, I think there definitely should be some. You know, that that's 2020 is a year for sure that's always going to be remembered. Um, as a whole for our country, but definitely as a as football, as college football and the NFL went through it, you know, it's definitely remember a memorable season. And uh, hopefully we don't have to go through that again.
0: Can you give me, and this is the last question I'll let you go, but can you give me a, an image, uh, your recollection of that first, <laughs> the first road trip to Wake Forest? Um, they, I guess their state regulations or whatever, didn't allow a hotel staff to actually serve, (laughs) to serve food to you. So you literally had staffers who were dishing out macaroni and cheese and and, and all that stuff. Like you had to bring your own popcorn, I think is what Dabo said at one point. Can you take us back to that and what that was like, how surreal that must have been?
1: It was very surreal. But we had a lot of fun with it. I'll tell you that. We enjoyed every minute of it. I was, we were singing and dancing in line as we were serving and <laughs> joking around with the players. It was great. Um, <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was just really cool. You see CJ Spiller down there serving. And that was just, that was also surreal too, just seeing like my former teammates, DeAndre McDaniels, you know, guys I used to play with. And now we're over here serving our players. That it was just, like I said, it was just so surreal. It was just, just a fun, neat experience. Um, one I'm thankful for because, you know, the easiest thing to do is kind of probably complain about it, yeah. you know. Like, oh, man, we got to serve these players. We got to do this. We got to do that. But now we made the most of it. We enjoyed it. And um, we just didn't break You know, the motto last year was embrace the suck. Coach Batson. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that sucked about last year, but you have to embrace it. So we just embrace the suck. You know what? Life's going to throw adversity at you, but it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond. And, you know, it was just really cool to be a part of a program that responded the right way.
0: The glass half full optimistic approach of, Hey, we, we need to appreciate what we have. How much do you think that's a, just a reflection of, of the head coach and sort of the culture that he's, he's set forth.
1: Man, Anybody that knows him knows that that's just who he is at his core. And, uh, it's always been me as well, my core. You know, uh, always hopeful for the future, always optimistic, always you know the best is yet to come, always yet to come, and uh, that's just a mindset. Like you said, um, it's it's an important mindset to have, especially when you're uh, when you build a culture, when you build a team, when you build a family. You know, one it it, it doesn't leave room for satisfaction. You know, you're never going to be satisfied. But then, too, you know, you never get too high in your highs and never get too low on your lows. So you're always just hopeful for more, always hopeful for better better days where things go good or bad.
0: Xavier Brewer, got a lot of folks pulling for you from, from here over to Fun Row, as you call it, uh, as y'all as y'all get started, man. Best of luck and, and really appreciate your time. All right, appreciate it, Larry. You have a good one. All right, much thanks to Xavier Brewer for sharing his time with us. Really cool conversation there. It's going to be really interesting to watch Rich Rodriguez and that offense and all those Clemson folks over there. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks to our sponsors for their very generous support. And most of all, thanks to all of you for making this a part of your listening routine every week. We'll be back next week. Cheers, everybody. Have a great weekend.